everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Almost 15 years of this. Almost. Almost. Uh, Before we get into the show, we just want to thank our sponsors, ProFish, The Point out of Buzzard Point, a great meal. Tony and Joe's, another great meal. Nick's Riverside Grill and Ivy City Smokehouse. Um, do you have anything you want to say, or are we going to get into it? Well, um, I just want to remind people that there's so much going on in the D.C. metro area. You do want to check out the list, com. We have the list of everything happening. Mardi Gras is coming, and there are events happening and delicious eats all over the city. You can check out the calendar and the buzz for all those listings. And some great new openings. I guess new openings means the same thing. But they are popping up all around the city. Stay in the know. Go to the thelistareyouonit.com. And don't forget to follow me at NYCCI, N-E-L-L-I-S, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for the latest and greatest of my eats and travels. Hit it. it. came from the Agency of Redundant Repetition. All yes. right. So on our drink segment today, we got something. We got a kind of a mix and match here. Uh, Brad and B.B. Parks uh, are the founders of Mascard Organic Tea and Mascard Coconut Water. Built for people who like to live an active lifestyle, enjoy drinking with friends, but they care about the ingredients they put into their bodies while they're getting smashed or something like that. Right, okay, Brad? Okay, we'll find right. out more about right. it. Now, question. Is it proper to call a hotel sexy? And I think it is when it's the new Salamander Hotel in Washington, D.C. It's downtown. It was the Mandarin Oriental moons ago. Now Sheila Johnson has come in with a complete makeover. And we've got we've got the team in here today. Uh, the hotel's assistant director of food and beverage is uh, Gina Netasinga, marketing manager Janelle Burt, and visiting celebrity chef. Visiting Rashida celebrity Perry. pastry chef. And, and I, I had the chance to sample a little, and she, she's not visiting anymore. She's a Rick. permanent resident. Hopefully. Uh, Suyo is dedicated to discovering small batch producers in Peru and introducing their Pisco to the world, and now they're going to introduce it to us. Uh, company co-founder Alex Hildebrandt will be on with us to with tastes and talk of his Pisco, mm-hmm. and Brian Zaro. That's a name you're going to know. He's the fourth generation owner of Zaro's Family Bakery. That's the iconic family bakery in New York and New Jersey. And you know it. If you've ever taken the train to New York, you get off, and this and stuff is right, right there. there. Uh, it, the first Zaro opened in 1927. Uh, it was opened by his grandfather, who was a Jewish immigrant from Poland. I think he came over on the same boat with my folks. Maybe. We'll mm. find out. Yeah, he did better than mine. Okay. Um, all right, but, but Brian's going to be on with us, and we're going to be talking about his new black and whites that are delicious. Mm-hmm. I ate 47 of them last night. Um, so first, why don't we – this is not really our usual drink segment because we usually don't drink – we don't mix – health and alcohol together, but we're doing it today. Actually, I totally disagree with that assessment. She's allowed to. Because that's what marriage is all about, right? We drink things on this show that are a combination of health and wellness and also a little bit of a little fun. A little, I don't remember a little, any a little of that. zhuzh in Maybe there. Maybe it's because I drank too much so, of it. But I didn't realize when um we booked the segment that your logo was the actual mask like Mardi Gras. So, like, we're right, right. Excellent timing. So, tell us a little bit about how you guys created your own beverage company because that's not an easy business to get into. Yeah. So, Mask started for us, uh, I guess, about two and a half years ago. And really, our, uh, 
you know, premise behind mask is was to find a better, healthier way to drink. So there's obviously beer, wine, and liquor out there that have you know pros and cons that either people like or don't. And then a few years ago when we started, uh, the, the fourth category, so seltzers and canned cocktails, really started coming out. And for us, those kind of fell into two buckets. It was either your traditional seltzers that don't have much flavor, it's flavored water and alcohol, or it was the overly sweetened cocktails with a ton of sugar, ton of carbs. There wasn't really anything that had had any added health benefits. So uh, we created Mask and really started with the base. It's organic uh, herba mate, organic blue agave, chamomile, and passion flower. So essentially mm-hmm. it's a functional organic tea, and then we added alcohol to it. So what is the process for that? I mean, what kind of alcohol are you doing? And I mean, was were you already in like the distilling business? Like how did you, how did you go from A to Z on this? And did you bring any beads? Okay. We didn't bring beads. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the alcohol is fermented sugar brew, so similar to what's in a lot of seltzers. Okay. And as far as the business, my family's been in beer and wine distribution since the 1970s, back uh-huh. to my grandfather. So in NOLA in, or up here? You, I kind of figure out if I hear that in your voice. No. So originally in Michigan and then West Virginia. No. I'm... Yeah. So a little bit of all over. So uh-huh. we've been in and around the business for a while, um, never on the creation side until recently. And what was it about the health aspect that you felt was missing? Was it more about the flavor? Because I do think a lot of canned options out there are incredibly sweet. Yep. A lot of cocktails are incredibly mm-hmm. sweet. So what were you? how were you looking to sort of create a, a denser palate? I think, I think both. So both the ingredients and the flavor. Um, like you said, you know, there was so much out there that was really in-your-face flavor, and you could drink one or two of them, and then you need to wash your mouth out. Right. Um, we really wanted something like a drinkability like a seltzer where you can drink multiple ones but still full-flavored. Okay, so let's talk about the first flavor that you're yep. pouring. What is it, and how did you guys come up with it? The first one's grapefruit rosemary, okay. and that's our newest tea flavor. Okay. And we actually launched that last spring mm-hmm. uh, for the Shenandoah Valley Apple Blossom Festival. Okay. Um, so this is probably the most, I would say, complex flavor that we've got. Um, mm-hmm. So that's Well, when you one. say tea, mm-hmm. is it brewed? It is. Okay, yep. so it's a brewed tea. So what's the tea that's being brewed? It's herbal mate. So it's herbal an, herb, mate. Yep, an herbal tea that's brewed, um, and then we mix the alcohol into it. Okay. All right, well, let's get a taste yeah. of that, and then we'll get on to our first segment. <laughs> I just had a this vision of you. This is like a really tea-filled day. I'm very excited. <laughs> like a mad scientist mixing okay. the tea in the okay. booth. All right, so now... Okay. Now we're going to talk about Ooh. Salamander Hotel and yeah. high tea and all of that. Yeah. Uh, again, Gina Nettasinga is, the, is joining us. She's the Assistant Director of Food and Beverage at the hotel. Janelle Burt's Marketing Manager and Pastry Chef Lashita Perry are all here. I wish you guys, radio is theater of the mind. I wish your minds could, could see, see the beauty that's in studio. But I'll here. be posting pictures so you can see it. So, guys, why don't we start off with just kind of a general overview of the hotel. Um, uh, Sheila Johnson bought it recently um, September right in September okay so now what's gonna happen at the and hotel by the way could you let her know our house is also okay. for sale? No. Okay. Uh, tell us about the hotel the sure. changing of the guard so to speak of course. because when the Mandarin Oriental opened originally I think that was like 15 years ago was it about 15 so it opened now by where the wharf is but when it opened there was no wharf there Absolutely. so it was sort of in this really isolated area but now it's one of the Primest spots right. in the city, right? It's amazing. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about how the hotel is going to reintroduce itself to the D.C. market. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you, Nikki and David, for having mm-hmm. us today. Um, well, first and foremost, we are just thrilled and excited to be part of Ms. Johnson's five-star vision. 
Um, and not only um, the Five Star Vision, but just uh, being part of the broader community in the Southwest Waterfront District. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we affectionately call ourselves an urban oasis, um, literally steps uh, from the D.C. Wharf, um, nestled between National Mall um, and the Wharf. Uh, and we have so many exciting enhancements on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could probably talk for an hour about this, but I'm going to hit the highlights. Okay, let's do um, that. What we have we'll going. get back to you. I mean, because <laughs> so I we, do know that you guys are going to be doing a bigger relaunch. You have some big absolutely. news coming up that we can't say anything about because it's the biggest rumor in the city that everybody knows. <laughs> sure. But I won't say it out loud. Uh, Is so the we'll, hotel but we having have, a baby? No, no, no. <laughs> sort of. Well, sort we of. have. You know, we have a lot of exciting concepts and activations on the horizon. So mm-hmm. first and foremost, we have. Um, we really want to in- reinvigorate the culinary scene because it's been absent for the last few years. Well, cities unclosed. Exa- exactly, exactly. Right. And so we have a couple of things on the horizon. First being a new interim res- restaurant concept that we'll be able to, uh, you'll be hearing an announcement in the next two to three weeks from us, so stay tuned Is on that. Is that the one in the former Southwester space or the one in the former Cities End space? The former City's End space. I know what that one is, but go ahead. There we go. So so that's the the interim concept that Mm -hmm. we launched. And then um, as we look towards the fall on on the further horizon, we'll be uh, launching a signature restaurant. We're partnering with a renowned chef who we are unable to name today, but Mm -hmm. I, I can assure you that many of your listeners have heard the name and will oh, not be disappointed. Oh, that's the one. So wait, but that's not going to be in the city's end space? Um, it is going it to will be, be after a refurbishment we'll, of that space. Oh, gotcha. Correct. Okay. So right, yes. the, the Sorry, announcement I'm asking that all will, the hard no, details. That's okay. <laughs> the announcement that will come in the next two to three weeks is our interim concept. Yes. Got you. To follow in the fall is the new signature restaurant. We're not letting so, you out until you tell us. We're trapped. We'll So we got some really exciting things coming up. So in the interim, before these exciting announcements get made, you have activations happening now. You have this celebrity chef who's visiting yes, do. right now. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you're going to stay? Like, what does that mean, visiting celebrity <laughs> chef? Uh, visiting means that I'll be here for a few weeks. Okay. Um, mainly focusing on the cherry blossom afternoon tea menu. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, also with the collect- way the weather's going, you understand that could be July or August. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be sooner. Could be right. never. I don't it know. It was like 70 when I landed a couple <laughs> okay. days ago. Right. Um, but also collaborating with Salamander on their in-room dining menus. Just some menus throughout the property as well as mm-hmm. some uh, amenities too. Well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you came from and how you sort of got in? with uh, Sheila and the new hotel? Yes, how I have the sweetest career ever. Yes, <laughs> but I'm fine. <laughs> you know my uh, husband does the jokes. I hate uh, to tell you that. Well, I, she told oh Sherry, Shorty laid that line on me. Okay. I was good, and then I thought, no, I'll let her do okay. it. Okay, anyway, go ahead. I have a dad joke for you, though. Why was the baby strawberry upset? Uh, I don't, I don't know, know. Why. Because it was stuck in a jam. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um, speaking of jams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but no, I um, got my career started um, in high school, actually. I'm from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. the nation's first capital. Um, and she we was had born a... born in Philadelphia. I was. We'll go, we'll go down a Philly oh, rabbit hole off air. Um, <laughs> and I was introduced to, to culinary arts in high school, went to Johnson & Wells, started mm-hmm. Four Seasons for a decade, and pre- in between that, I did some Food Network, and here I am now, uh, Working with Sheila 18 Johnson. years later, and um, I'm more contractual now. So I mm-hmm. do private events, I do consulting, and um, I'm happy to be with Salamander in this collaboration with them. Well, so how did you collaborate with Gina about the um, this tea, cherry blossom tea? Like Because you're from Philly, cherry blossom here, it's sort of a huge thing. Because it's so gorgeous and we get all these tourists for it, um, and especially where the salamander is located, your, your view of the cherry blossom trees is magnificent. But, you know, 
it can get hokey because it's not cherries. It's cherry blossoms. So how did you guys all work together to create something that would be really special and different? Um, you know, to be quite honest, I was given creative flexibility, and I think that's important when you're collaborating with someone because mm-hmm. they're bringing me on because I am the queen of flavor. That's right. Awesome. right. Um, <laughs> um, I so, think we've gotten them all out now, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, says queen of flavor, like, on her sleeve, so give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was more like, Lashita, we want to know what makes you happy. We want to know what sparks you when mm-hmm. you hear cherry blossom. And I'll be quite honest, my mind went straight to Japan Mm because I've always wanted to experience um, cherry blossom there. So you'll see a lot of I feel like we should do a field trip. Maybe we should do a field trip. Can I come? Please do. Okay. Sheila, are you listening? (laughs) (laughs) We will attend Um, with you. So we have a lot of Asian-inspired flavors on Mm -hmm. the menu, and I'm so happy that we were able to do that. So you'll see some yuzu, which is um, an Asian citrus which has lemon, but it has a floral note as well. Um, We have some um, purple sweet potatoes, which is technically not Asian, but they have different styles, right? They Mm -hmm. have the Aquanawa purple sweet potato. Um, Ube is more Filipino, but we went more purple sweet potato for this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then bringing in matcha, you you have to bring in matcha. But the purple sweet potato, that's a milk bread, right? It is. And that is a Japanese kind of bread. Yes, it's all inspired. I never want to say Don't you feel like we should be trying that? Okay, well, you can try it. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, let's talk about the uh, bringing back tea. You guys know I'm like a huge high tea fan, so bringing it back, we'll talk a little bit more about the experience there and some other things happening. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. Hey, Nick, let's take a couple seconds to talk about the point. Oh, the point in Buzzard Point. Yeah. Well, Buzzard Point is really interesting because it's a new area that has totally kind of come up out of the water. It is where the Potomac and Anacostia Rivers meet, and now this development is there, and the Point D.C. is the very first restaurant there. So it has amazing water views, this incredible patio, fire pits. It is a great place to grab a drink and sit out and look at the water and eat amazing oysters. Oh, and seafood and sushi and steaks and more because we've done that. Exactly. So if you haven't been to the point, it's time for you to check it out. All right. We're back on Fooding the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking about, in general, Salamander Hotel, the new hotel back in the former Mandarin Oriental space in D.C. Mm. Um, but we're also talking cherry blossoms and high tea. tea. So can we talk about your tea program? Because it's not just during cherry blossoms, right? Like you guys always have a tea, correct? That is correct. So Uh, what is it about tea for the hotel now? What is it about tea? So tea and afternoon tea has really had a resurgence in D.C. in this market mm-hmm. from what I've seen. Um, and I, I was you in this market think it's because I like ago. it so much? I think that you that are everybody... driving the market, actually. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't think so. They call... As a trendsetter, no, no, no. I no. say. That's not it. They call it high tea because everybody in D.C. is high now. That's the... But I'm fine. That may, you know, it is available by delivery. <laughs> so we're finding it very inspired. Okay. Uh, but afternoon tea, what we've seen is that it's, it's really has become a a communal activity that is bringing generations together. Mm -hmm. We're seeing mothers and daughters and sisters and, and oh, and sons. And My son sons. was very upset. Yeah, we just, Absolutely. And we yeah. just did it with David, and, too. And full families that mm. are coming together to to really enjoy that little bit of time that you make for yourself, which is so critical nowadays. Right. And so what I'm seeing is, is that instead of scones, the milk bread is taking over the scones. Yes. That's what's happening there? That's what's Chef? happening. And that's what um, Salamander and I have agreed on 
wholeheartedly is that we mm-hmm. want to do something different. It's yes. different. Just put a little twist on it. Uh-huh. Um, scones, you get that in almost every high tea. I, right? I mean, listen, I hear you. I'm very excited about milk bread because I personally <laughs> love it. But you do get scones at every high tea, but you don't always get good scones. Good scones. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm Fair just, enough. I'm just saying. You yeah. know, sometimes it's just a little too much sweet. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, or like a proper they're a little scone. too old and they're they're crumbly. Like well, they're supposed to be crumbling. No, no, like no, no, no. They're like concrete. <laughs> okay, these, these look really. All good. right, so let's talk about the tea program. What kind of teas are we pouring? So right now we have uh, two teas. One that was a Meritage blend with berries that's infused whole berries into, which just gives it this beautiful color. Mm. And then this hand picked, hand processed green tea mm-hmm. um, that is really, really delicate and has a beautiful. perfect amount of caffeine in it. It has just this multi note that is absolutely balanced and delicious. Excellent. So when people come for tea now, I assume people can make reservations. What's day of the week? What days of the week? I'm sorry. So our standard afternoon tea service is available on Saturdays and Sundays. Okay. And then starting March 24th, Mm -hmm. which is a Friday, if I'm correctly, which when we'll go into full launch of this beautiful afternoon tea that you see in front of you for Cherry Blossom. Do you have the gospel tea tomorrow and, I mean, today when this airs? Sunday, yes. and the following Sunday so as well. So two activations right. for Gospel oh. Tea, which are speaking specifically for Black History Month. So we're honoring the community, and in, we're hosting Gospel after. So how long, what, what, how long cool. will that go on, the singing and all of that? So it lasts for about two hours through That's the sessions, cool. and we so have two fun. tea sessions at 1.30 and 3.30, so it touches both areas. I might be inspired to get up and shave and shower that day. I mean, oh, that sounds I amazing. <laughs> okay, so and are you just, um, Chef, are you just specific for tea, or are you doing some other some other uh, no, I'll be collaborating with some of the in-room dining menus, some of mm-hmm. the lobby menus, mm-hmm. just pitching in wherever I can, you know, maybe even some random fun sweet treats as well. We're just here to have fun and just really just show what we can do that's a little outside the box. That's okay, right. uh, which I love. So just quickly, if you can tell me about just a couple of things. We talked about the rolls, the milk bread rolls, which are gorgeous. Just tell me about like two things up top, and then I want to give a wrap-up. Um, and some of the sandwiches, so people have an idea, for those who haven't done a tea, what they get. Yeah, Certainly. absolutely. Um, so it's cherry blossom season, so I think there's enough pink on this plate. <laughs> um, so we have um, a matcha crepe cake. We literally made the crepes from scratch. It's filled with a little raspberry filling and actual matcha flavor coming through. Yeah. We have a little chocolate cherry entremet that's in the shape of a cherry, mm-hmm. but it's actually a chocolate cherry mousse that's sitting on a chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. You also have some cream puffs, which I absolutely love, love making cream puffs. It has a crackling topping, so you're going to get a little crunch. It's filled with a sake. Once again, we're having mm. those Japanese-inspired flavors. Right. So I'm going to suck it to you with drooling? some sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's topped with a strawberry ganache that's used with Valronas. Um, they have an inspiration line where they yeah. use actual fruit in their chocolate. Mm. So you're going to mm-hmm. get a nice pack of flavor from that. And I'm a very visual, whimsical person. Like I Clearly. call my desserts sophisticatedly quirky desserts because <laughs> we have a pink lemonade um, tart. So you have literally a ruby chocolate mousse um, that's filled with a lemon basil jelly, and it's sitting on a tart that's filled with the olive oil cake. Beautiful. It's Yum. just gorgeous. And Thank just, you. I just want to ask, are you are you married? Are you? Okay, David. Because if, if she ever throws me out, okay. Um, I'm Gina, just wondering what your phone number is. Let's talk about real things <laughs> here. So, Gina, can you tell everybody, like, 
sort of the 411 and what else we can look forward to expecting? Like, we just sort of have to wrap up, which I feel bad about. Just stand in front of the mic, please. Sure, of course, of course. So in addition to the restaurant concepts um, that I discussed, we're going to be reactivating our beautiful garden patio and grand lawn area, oh, which fabulous. is just, I mean, this is why we are an urban oasis. Mm-hmm. Um, and also some of the other outlets in the hotel as well. So the lounge, um, our signature suites, et cetera. So Lots of more exciting updates to come on the horizon. We hope to welcome all of you very soon. But we cannot wait. Okay, so please, everybody, uh, Chef, tell us where we can find you on Instagram, please, so we can stay up to date on your sweets and where you're where you're executing. Yes, um, the Queen of Flavor. That's with two E's, Queen of Flavor. Okay, excellent. And where can we find everything going on at Salamander? Yes, at Salamander Hotel, D.C. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Thank you for bringing all this deliciousness. Everybody in studio should get in on it. Thank you for leaving. All right. (laughs) Yes. And all right. Thank you. Brad, let's go back. Let's go back to you guys. So this first one is really delicious. I mean, it's not a really strong drink. Right. Right? Right. So can you talk about how you go about, like, so I'm thinking of the teas that we're doing in here how you go about picking the teas that you want to make flavors of and then process and get to the point that you can, are you canning it, bottling it? I didn't see the packaging. We're canning it, yeah. Okay. Um, so we, when we formulated originally, we looked at a lot of different teas. We looked at a matcha, um, we looked at a black tea, um, and there's a lot of um, several hard teas on the market that are made with black tea that are Southern style, really sweet, almost really heavy. So the herbal mate we liked, not only for the health benefits, but it's got a Relatively smooth taste. What are the health benefits of an Herba Monte? It's got a ton of antioxidants in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we use blue agave as a sweetener. Okay. Um, organic blue agave and then chamomile and passion flower. Mm-hmm. And did you do a lot of research for this? I mean, how did you know this? We did. You did most of the research. Phoebe, do you want to yeah. talk about it? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's kind of really where it all stemmed from. We, When we met, we were early 20s and mm-hmm. you can, you know, drink, hang out, have fun, feel fine the next day. And it got to where we were... I would have two beers, and I'm like, this is this is crazy. You know, I just felt so terrible the next day. And um, so that's when Brad was just kind of like, well, let's think about the food we eat, the products that we use in our house. We've got, you know, whole foods. We try to eliminate toxins, and then we're just putting crap into your body whenever you're eating and mm-hmm. uh, or drinking. And so, that I mean, that's really kind of where it, it started. We wanted the adaptogens that are in the drinks play a huge part in helping your body kind of deal with the alcohol. and. Well, what are the adaptogens? Because I don't think that's a word that a lot of people are familiar with. And they I've never certainly, heard the word before in my life. And they What's don't know mean? what it means when they're talking about imbibing. Yes, it's a um, it's a recent, I think, word, recent buzzword, I guess, in the, in the health community. So cameo and passionflower are the two ones we specifically use. And you can probably speak more, but it, help, it does help your body deal with stress and other toxins like the alcohol, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're putting, you know, foreign concept into your body. Right. Um, and so that that's what they're there for is to help. If you look at like a lot of, um, the, you know, they say the super, super foods. And that's really where the flavors came from because we wanted flavors that resonated as basically, I guess, health buzzwords. But mm-hmm. um for people to understand that they're it, it is alcohol, but if you take the alcohol out, it's basically like drinking a superfoods drink. Okay, well, so what are we? What superfood are we drinking next? So the next one dragon is fruit. dragon fruit acai, which is BB's favorite. Okay, um, a lot of people's favorite. One of the things we when we formulated, we wanted it to be really true to taste. So we wanted you to be able to tell what it is. So, so dragon fruit is that fruit that looks like a bulb 
with the pink skin, and then it yes. looks like a Dalmatian on the inside, right? Yeah, like yep. polka dotted inside. Yep, exactly. Um, and so what we're is, drinking a Dalmatian. No, no, but you know what I mean. That's what it looks like. And then, and the acai is a berry. It's a berry. So do a, you muddle them? Like, how do you? What's the process for that? Dark berry. So we we use a we used a food lab to actually finish development for us, mm-hmm. and then we use a co-packing facility to put it together. So all the ingredients essentially come into the co-packing facility there. Put together, they're canned, and then they're sent out. Well, where do you guys? St- I mean, I, I think I know where you stand in acai because it's in your drink. But you know, that's still it's the center of a lot of controversy because it's either it's controversial. Uh, yeah, it, it is because you know there's there's a group that says it's like at the top of this list of it's sort a superfoods, super mm-hmm. and others that say that's that's mythology. So, what kind of research? BB has it, something to say. Tell us, BB. Step in here, BB. No, I just I, I guess I kind of always take the stance that you can find any argument for you anything. You know, you just kind of have to figure out what I, I what you think, what mm-hmm. works for you, and um, right. you I know, have to any, be honest. I thought this was going to be really sweet. And it's not. It's, it's really dry, which I like. Yeah. You know, when I yeah. think of dragon fruit and acai, yeah. my head goes to something like sticky and sweet. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's very clean tasting. Beautiful. All right. We're going to come back to you guys. And now we're going to get into um, Pisco with Alex. All right. So now we're joined by uh, Suyo. And I'm, I assume I'm saying it right. Founder, Alex Hildebrandt. Uh, Suyo is uh, a company that, that seeks out uh, small batch producers in Peru and introduces their Pisco to the world. And we've got one right here. So, Alex, how did all this happen? You're sitting around your college well, dorm one day? and <laughs> uh, I, I wish I had thought of it uh, when I was in college. I'm, I'm a few years removed, but the idea came together about four years ago, uh, a little bit over four years ago. I'm from Peru originally, and uh, so is my friend and now business partner, Ian. So we both have been close to the Pisco category, really, one way or another our entire lives. Had never really thought about introducing a Pisco to the market, but uh, we always had an idea of, he and I are, are longtime friends, always had an idea of uh, doing something that helps connect both of our home countries because we've both spent significant parts of our lives in both countries and uh, you know tossed around ideas for years. And then uh, one time when I was back in Lima, Peru, which is home for both of us, uh, the idea just kind of kind of hit us, so we went on many many adventures. Well, can we back up a little Pisco. bit? So, when you say like, did you grow up drinking pisco? Was it like served in your house? Like, can you talk about a little bit about your connection to it? Yeah, as an adult, obviously, uh, I did grow right, up sure. drinking pisco. Me too. And, uh, I know what you're saying. <laughs> Unless you were finishing it, off glasses at your parents' parties, right? Yeah, exactly. But. um you know, it, it's always around, but uh, I wouldn't say that my, my family was any closer to it than anyone else from Peru. It's a very strong cultural component uh, in Peru. So mm-hmm. much like Jalisco, Mexico has tequila, uh, Oaxaca and other states in Mexico have mezcal. In Peru, it's pisco. So it's a very, uh, we're very proud of the product. Well, Okay, wait, before you ask your question. What? I see where you're going, but you got, we have got... to take a break. Oh, so Alex, hold on break. for just a sec. Okay, and when we come back, you can ask your question, which is what is it and how is it made? <laughs> so uh, this is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Uh, Alex, my next question was going to be, I don't know if a lot of folks know what, pe- they might like drinking pisco. They might think it's... They may think it's like just the Pisco Sour. They may really not they know. They may not really understand what it, It's actually a wine, isn't it? Close. It's a distilled wine. So it's a high-proof spirit. What Pisco is, is a spirit distilled from grapes. So what we do is we make a natural wine first, and then we distill that wine to arrive at a, a, a spirit that's between 38 and 
that's where you're always going to find it. in the U.S. It has to be between 40 and 48 percent because that's what the U.S. law dictates. But it's a denomination of origin spirit. So much like a cognac, like a champagne, like a tequila, like a mezcal has to adhere to a very specific set of production standards. And it has to come from a very specific place, which uh, in this case is one of five regions in Peru. We're working in one region right now, but we're going to as we expand. We're working with producers and and really all of the regions to highlight the terroir that exists within it. Now, if I'm in Peru and I order pisco, how I mean, how how do the Peruvians drink it? Straight up, mixed up? Yes. Yep. So purists will drink it, drink it neat. Uh, I I think that's the best way to enjoy it. Uh, that's how you can really appreciate the nuances that exist between the eight different grape varietals that it's made from. But then also, as you sort of explore different regions around Peru, you're going to notice subtle nuances. So neat is definitely the best way to enjoy it on the rocks as well. Uh, but cocktail making is is very common as well. You mentioned the Pisco Sour. That's the cocktail that's probably uh, gotten the most traction outside of Peru. And uh, when you come to Peru, I think it's more of sort of gearing towards tourists. But uh, I would say if you speak to Peruvians, the most cocktail uh, popular drink, I would say, is called a Chiricano, which is Pisco ginger ale and a splash of lime juice. That's like the, the make at home for a house party, for a family gathering type drink or uh, a Pisco tonic or something like, uh, there's something called a Capitan, which is my favorite cocktail. And it's a Manhattan with Pisco instead of whiskey, which uh, sounds a little bit unique. It is very unique, but uh, very, very popular in Peru as well. So it's a very versatile spirit. So what does it take, what kind of land, terrar, is, is, is you know, needed for ideal? Yeah, how'd you production? go about doing it since it's not your family business? I mean, this is a huge undertaking. We just, uh, became obsessed with it once we started digging into it. Um, mm. Peru is, uh, if not the, one of the most biodiverse countries in the entire world. So you have everything, you have jungle, you have altitude, you have desert, you have coast. Right. The Pisco producing regions are really just the desert and the coast. All of them are coastal, but it's a very arid climate. So, uh, you know, some would say it's not perfect for winemaking, but the Spanish brought uh, wine grapes in the 1500s and were making very, very good wine. But then the Spanish king actually got upset because he wasn't getting tax revenue, shut it down, and that's where distillation came into play. So uh, what stayed mostly is the, the Pisco-producing culture. There are some good natural wines coming out of Peru as well, but because Pisco has become such a strong industry, uh, that's kind of where most of the producers have stayed. But I just started exploring and fell in love with it. So we consider Suyo to be a Pisco discovery mission where we uh, collaborate with small batch producers, independently owned producers, and we're creating a platform for their product. So. Myself and my business partner, we are not the master distillers. We are not the family-run operations who are doing this. We're simply creating a platform for them. And on the back of every one of our labels, saying exactly where it comes from, who makes it, and all the terroir characteristics that are really driving what you're Well, are, are the grapes any different that are grown in the arid regions versus the coastal regions, or is it all the same? It's it's kind of the same. So there, there are a few exceptions. Um, there's one grape varietal that's only allowed to be grown in a high altitude region, and that's called an uvina. And then there are others that simply just survive better in these high altitude regions, like mm -hmm. a moscatel, which is from the aromatic family. You have to go to sort of the southern regions to, I think, get the really best expression of the spirit. So like Arequipa, which is one of the Pisco producing regions. Alex, I feel like we need a field trip for this one, too, to really better understand. Yes, do you have growth, your MX card available? Right, the growth uh, of the grapes. I think, you know, to better understand listen, it. You're always welcome to join us. Uh, I will be there pretty much all of March because that's when the harvest happens. It's oh, the, okay. the most beautiful time of year right, and right. Uh, when all the magic happens. So mm -hmm. uh, we actually have some people joining us on this trip, and we're just going to drive around and uh, explore. So anytime. We're, Sounds we're like another revenue stream. So, well. Okay, so 
let's talk about so when now that you're making the product and you're bottling it, is everything done in Peru and then you bring it here to the states? Correct. So because it's a denomination of origin controlled spirit, every part of the process has to happen in Peru. So even the bottling, we cannot uh, import it in bulk and then bottle it here. So everything happens uh, on site, and everything that we do is single origin, single vineyard. So it's okay. going to happen right then and there. Oh, so so once it's distilled. Is there any process where it just goes right into the bottle? It doesn't need to like sit in oak or a chard. It doesn't need anything like that, right? Like a whiskey. Great question. So you're I actually not allowed to age it in oak. I am full of great questions, Alex. <laughs> uh, you're not allowed to age it in oak or any wood whatsoever. So Peruvian Pisco uh, is always going to be clear. It mm -hmm. has to be rested for three months to allow for oxygenation and really just the rounding up the flavor of the flavors. But um, no, no introduction of wood. So it's always going to be a clear spirit. Excellent. Okay. And let's talk about where we can find it in the DC market and how you sort of introduced it. I mean, there's an amazing bar scene here in DC, which I'm sure, you know, um, with an incredible bars, cocktail bars and et cetera. So they're pretty well versed in all the different spirits, but has it been hard for you to get them to incorporate Pisco into their cocktails or suggest that people drink it neat? Yeah, category awareness is very tough. When you're introducing something that people are not familiar with, it's, it's always challenging. But we're going in the right direction, and getting other producers who are aligned in our vision uh, has been critical also. So it's just talking about Pisco, making sure people understand the differences between the different varieties and the, the, the complexity of it and how versatile it is is really what we spend most of our time doing. So, uh, yeah, adoption has been you know slower than it would be if we launched a, in a, another tequila or something. But um, it's definitely trending in the right direction. Thankfully, uh, the proving gastronomy has been huge over the past 10 plus years. There's some excellent restaurants in the D.C. area. Uh, so that's we really lean on that very heavily. And then there's this sort of adoption of once you're into the gastronomy, let's try the spirit of Peru as well, mm -hmm. which is Pisco. So uh, and there's precedent for stuff like this. Mexican food led to the, you know, the, the rise of tequila. And then since then, Mezcal. Uh, we really feel like we can follow a similar trajectory with the category. Excellent. Uh, we are actually not to, to answer your first question. We are not in the DC. We're not selling Suyo in the DC area yet. Okay. Distribution is challenging, as I know some of the other folks in the room can, can attest to. Right. So we are. Um, uh, that's upcoming. Uh, some really good updates there. We feel really good about getting in the DC market in the next really few months, but right. uh, nothing's official there. So. All right. Well, keep us posted. Can you tell everybody where you can find uh, Suyo though online and on Instagram, please? Yes. Uh, so suyopisco.com. That's S-U-Y-O-P-I-S-C-O.com, mm -hmm. or at suyopisco is our Instagram. You can purchase on our website, and then you can see there which markets we are in on the East Coast and on the West Coast. Excellent. Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so morning. much for having me. Okay, great. All right, Bibi and Brian. Good stuff. Yeah, it's very good. Let's get back to mask. What are we pouring next? The blueberry lavender. Okay, so tell me why you guys created this one. Uh, this actually was my first uh, favorite flavor, and then I kind of switched over to the dragon fruit Um but this one, I think it surprises people the most because it tastes just like blueberries. Okay. And we have a lot of people that say, I don't really like blueberry. And I'm like, well, you don't like a fake blueberry right. flavor. That's synthetic. Um, that's synthetic blueberry Yeah, taste. yeah. But this one's actually, I mean, it tastes and smells like blueberries. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right. I can't wait to taste it. All I could think of is that line in Willy Wonka, you know, Violet, you're turning Violet, Violet. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let's see what happens yeah. with that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nikki spends a lot of time watching cartoons. It's not a cartoon. <laughs> it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Holding her wubby and watching With Gene Marler. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, right. um, Brian Zaro. Brian is the fourth generation owner 
of a name uh, folks on the East Coast are definitely going to mm, know. That is Sorrow's good. Family Bakery. It's a family-owned bakery. It goes back to 1927, 14 locations in New York and New Jersey, and one right when you get off the train in New York. Am I right? I am right, aren't I, Brian? Spot on. The, the only the only correction, it was my great-grandfather. Yeah, great you said grandfather, great-grandfather. Oh, because I'm older than you. It would have been my grandfather who came <laughs> over here from Poland and... But when you come off the Spot train, on, my grandfather, sorry, my grandfather came over from Lublin, Lublin, Poland. All right. So now when you get off the train, like when you're coming from D.C. and you get off the train, it's not in Moynihan, but in the Penn, in Penn Station. Are you got, you're not in Moynihan, right? It's like we are, right we are there. Not in Moynihan. It is in the in the let's call it, you know, historical Penn Station. Right. Um, in we have two stores inside Penn Station. Um, one in the Amtrak Rotunda, which would be closest, you know, to the to the the DC Amtrak, right? And then one that's closer to the Seventh Avenue entrance exit, which is a little bit more New Jersey Transit, Long Island Rail. But I always love it because it feels very like Harry Potter ish to me, with all the like the breads and the baked goods and everything just sort of piled up, like it's so inviting. So tell us a little bit about the history of the bakery and how it's evolved over the years. I, I I would love to. How long do I have? You don't have that long. So <laughs> two, two or three weeks. Don't start with your oh, gun. No, Just no, walk no, us through it. Great, great, great grandfather came over from Poland um, in the 20s, pre-World War II by himself. Um, opened up a, I wouldn't call it a standalone bakery, but opened a bakery. And there was, you know, the, the fish guy, the meat guy, they were all together. Um, and then when my grandfather had, had, raised enough money and put enough money aside. He brought over his three sons and his his wife, my great-grandmother, who unfortunately I never knew. Um, one of his three sons was my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, and they opened a bakery in the Bronx. Um, they lived above the bakery. And it was just you know, 24-7, either work or sleep. Um, you kind of fast forward. My grandfather and my great-uncle started opening up bakeries throughout the Bronx. And I would say in their heyday, they had somewhere between 20 to like 24 standalone bakeries. Wow. And wait, what was and the primary then, product then? Like, what were they? How many different things? Was it more cookies and cakes uh, you know, or was I, it breads? I, it, I don't I don't think that they're really what it was. A I'm sorry. I know it was challah and, and matzah, right? You, it, <laughs> it depends who you ask. Like everyone, you know, my parents and their generation have so many stories of Zaros in the Bronx, like. There was a woman who used to go to our bakery and she learned math by bringing, you know, the money to get the change for her large seeded rye bread. Mm-hmm. And then there were people that loved our cheesecake and our, our rugula. I, I would tell you our staple product is our black and white cookie. Right. Um, oh, but we you making, should mention it. You know, we've been making classic baked goods for, you know, I don't know, almost 100 years now. Um, and then you you fast forward to the 70s. Um, my grandfather and his brother mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately the bronx was going through a socioeconomic downturn and notice mm-hmm. they realized if they didn't do anything um that it would probably be the end of their business and they saw no joke an ad in the new york times um for a retail space in grand central terminal in 1977 wow um and opened in 1978 and we have been in grand central and at the same space for over 40 years now um, and when they opened that space, it kind of tapped into to 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 something in terms of a concept that had never really been done before, um, and it was very successful. And that I mean, talk, talk about a place that led to Port 
30 bus terminal. Well, it's sort of like the so original forth. use. Like yeah. if you think of like stadiums and, and places today where they bring in a local provider, you know, like that's what everybody yep. wants today. They want a local flavor in these, you know, in universities and all these different places. And you guys are like the people who started it, really. To, to some extent. Yeah, I, it was also it was it was there wasn't at the time you never had these like single single type concepts that have obviously like, you know, become everything. Mm -hmm. So we had like frozen yogurt, deli, bakery, like we had everything inside this Grand Central store. And it was a it was a beast <laughs> um, from you know being a very young kid and going through it. But now you have, you know, most concepts that open, at least in New York City, are very singular focused. Right. Um, and very successful, but it's just, it's different. Um, and we've, you know, we've really just become a bakery. Brian, listen, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the black and white, why it's so popular, and what you guys are now doing with it, because you're playing with it. This awesome. is um, David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, having a lovely chat with Brian Zaro, who is the... Chief Executive Officer now of Zaro's family-owned bakery with, what, 14 locations across the New York area, right? In New Jersey. We, New we have Jersey. 12 of our own locations, and then we've actually worked. We, we are now working with a licensed partner um, at three airports in the New York City area. Yeah. Great. You um, know, so because you know, you, your grandfather, whoever went, first went into the train station, said, where are we going to find traffic that we can rely on? <laughs> I mean, come on. That was the okay. most brilliant real estate selection Can we talk ever. about the black and whites now? So, Yeah, I'm opening it up. Are they the originators of the black and white? Like, what's the history of the black and white? Did I, am I stopping I you, Brian? I don't know for sure, you know, the truth, that, you know, who was the true originator, and I don't ever want to, oh, you know, gosh. fabricate the, the truth, but... Um, we've definitely been making a black and white cookie for a very, very long time, probably almost 95 years. And for those who have not had the pleasure of having a black and white cookie, can we yep. talk about it? Because it's kind of a cookie and kind of a cake. Yes. So I, everyone makes their black and white cookie a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, ours is a, a cake cookie, and it's pretty dense. Um, and then it is a, a chocolate and a vanilla fondant that is applied um you know you'll have some which are a little bit softer in terms of the base but ours is definitely a firmer base of a cookie i, I love it i love the chocolate side i'm a chocolate junkie mm -hmm. um growing up in our household we had a draw and and you'd have like the black white cookies and i would always snap off did the he just say a draw so yeah. Yeah, like who got one <laughs> um and so but now you're kind of playing with the original and doing flavors what is this a celebration or something my, why are we doing brother, this i work with i work with two brothers um, one of my brothers, Scott, had this this you know very creative idea to take our line of black and white cookies and create a spin off of them. Uh, and we launched at the Winter Park uh, in Bryant Park by Urban Space this mm -hmm. past winter. Very successful. The market. Um, and then we also opened up, or, or we started selling these cookies at our retail stores, um, and then just recently started distributing them through Uber Eats. Oh, wow. And hence how you guys are eating them now. So uh, let's talk about the flavors. Like, how did you guys come up with them? Was that a battle amongst your family about the battle of the brothers? You know, the banana. Like, I don't know. Uh, the banana bread is, the right is now word, my but, banana you know, bread's we, my favorite. <laughs> being in a family business can be very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, no kidding. Uh, Tell me about it. I work it, with my husband. We we, <laughs> we lean we leaned on on our on our amazing bakery uh, uh, plant manager Chris, um, who initially created a whole bunch of flavors. And then we actually really went out and, and had family and friends and consumers taste and get, and get as much feedback as possible. 
Um, some cookies kind of got dropped from the line. Mm -hmm. Others, you know, people that had had given us some some input got added to the line. Um, and the five different flavors that you're tasting now mm -hmm. really, you know, were the ones that stood out. Yeah. So we love the banana. It's a banana chocolate hazelnut. Is that what it is? It's mm -hmm. delicious. I loved it. That was my favorite. But then David really likes the. Is it an Oreo? What is that? There's one that has like cookies. Yeah, it's in cookie it? and cream. Yeah. yeah, it's it's an Oreo type cookie. It's chocolate wafers. My personal favorite is yes. the mint chip. The mint chip. Well, that's this one. That's yes, that's the one David just dug into. But now. but the birthday cake one or whatever it is. The celebration one with those Damn. sprinkles. It's fun. Which I'd call like the kid cookie. Yeah, it is a total kid cookie because I think of those. Well, you guys sell them those big sprinkle cookies. At the bakeries, like that was my one, also one of my favorites, the That's rainbow sprinkle cookie, and it is so good. That is my favorite cookie, you guys are competitive. hands down. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's very, I don't know, it's it takes me back to my childhood, you know, growing up in New Jersey, like going to the deli. You always got those big 10 years ago cookies, you know. right? <laughs> I'll look like 10 years ago soon, <laughs> anyway. Um, so Brian, can you tell everybody, so we're here in DC, a lot of people take the train up to New York, but is there ways for people here in this market to get access to these cookies? Um, right now, the only access to the cookies would be through Uber Eats, who started a nationwide shipping platform. Oh, like Gold Belly. Um, or visiting us in New York City. Okay, great. Can you tell us where we can find you online or on Instagram, just so we can stay wait, up to date on everything? Back up on, sure real Instagram quick, is Brian, wait, stop. So... Here in D.C., we can call Uber Eats yes, and get your like cookies now. everywhere? Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uber Eats is, is, has joined the market for, for nice. nationwide shipping like Gold Belly. And you can go onto the app and find it and, cool. and order away. Excellent. Um, great. But we, you can follow us at, at Zaro's Family Bakery. Um, and then there's a link right within the, the Instagram page uh, to go to Uber Eats or just to go on Uber Eats and look for Zaro's Family Bakery and ship nationwide. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Brian. Thanks so much for joining us today. This Kudos to your great-grandfather. Yes. Thank you great so idea. much for having It was great <laughs> okay. meeting you. Thank you. Bye. All Thank right, Mask. Let's talk about it. All right. All right. So what have we tasted so far? We've had the blueberry. We've had the dragon fruit. And we grapefruit had the, rosemary. Grapefruit was the rosemary. First one. What do we got left? So we've got two for the last one. Okay. This is lemon ginger, which is the last in the tea line. Okay. It's the least sweet. This one's my favorite. This is your favorite. And this is, we've done hundreds of demos and tastings and events. And this is always the one where people say, oh, I only drink beer. Or I only drink liquor. This is the one that, that those type of people tend to come back to. Really? Yeah. Okay, so how did we get into the coconut water? Because we haven't really talked about that yet. Yeah, so that'll be the last one. The coconut water we launched about a month ago in just Virginia. Uh, and really the premise behind that is through these tastings and demos, we have consumers that say, oh, yeah, the yerba mate is great, the blue agave is great. How many carbs does it have? How many calories? Right, how, exactly. how many sugar? So there's a subset of people. That's the only thing they look at, which, which is a big subset. So the coconut water, we wanted to keep it simple. It's coconut water, it's rum, and it's fruit flavors. It's 90 calories, one carb, no sugar. Wow, that's so amazing. Wanted to do something with rum because everybody has a uh, tonic, vodka tonic or vodka soda water. There's not a lot of, of not rum a lot of can rum beverage out there. In the in the can market. And you're 100% right. I mean, in the can market, because we've had lots of mm -hmm. people in studio. There's so many. There's like Negroni can cocktails. And I, we've had so many, thank you, like sea breezes and stuff right. like that. Yep. And they are all, I mean, they're palatable. Don't get me wrong. But right. they're sweet. They're super, right. super sweet. Um, and these are not, which right. I think is really amazing that uh, in a can that you can get something that's that's stabilized right. without the sugars. Yes. You know what I mean? Right, I'm yep. going to give you your next idea because there are now people doing hard hard THC. drinks. 
ish, but with THC in them. Yes. Yeah, we yeah. got a case of it at home. Throw a little <laughs> THC in there. Yeah. But then you only drink one. (laughs) But so now are you recommending to some people like the coconut water is a great example. I know there's rum in it, but Mm -hmm. you could use that as a mixer. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we've had um, different on premise accounts, bars, restaurants use all of them as mixers. That makes sense. So put, you know, vodka, gin, tequila into the tea base um, Mm -hmm. or add more rum to the coconut water. Sure. Um, So, yeah, we we have had accounts to do that as well. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and since, I mean, we did a high tea, maybe there's like some tea fusion here that we can get going on between the two because it's totally different. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> tea can be whatever you want, and then that's what we're trying to do now. It doesn't always have to be the same. Exactly. Right. Well, I love it. Get the tea and just do a cocktail. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad and BB, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Tell us where we can find you online and on Instagram, please. Sure. So drinkmask.com, and our Instagram is drinkmask as well. Excellent. But spell it. M-A-S-Q. Excellent. It's a shortened version of Masquerade. Excellent. Love it. All right. Go ahead, babe. Do your thing. All right. So this is something we're doing with a group of neighbors. The Biden administration has a new program called the Welcome Corps. Uh, Groups of private citizens can sponsor refugees from around the world here in the U.S. Uh, Groups of at least five can apply to sponsor refugees and help them acclimate to life here. Uh, You have to come with some money to help them get apartments, get jobs, you know, transportation, medical care, all of that. It's um, a minimum of $2,275 per refugee. It's called the Welcome Corps. doesn't have to be just because Ukraine is hot. Ukraine's hot in the news now, but they are refugees from all over Somalia, the world. Mm-hmm. So um, do a nice thing. Yes. Think about it. And uh, we want to thank all of our guests for joining us today. Uh, We have delicious food in studio, amazing drinks, and we learn so much. Uh, You can find everything that you heard about here today on the thelistareyouonit.com. Of course, you want to follow me, N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And Industry Night, uh, now at the Wine Lair and on HeartCast Media. You want to check that out every Thursdays. You can download it on your favorite podcast station. And we are also on YouTube, so check that out as well. I follow you everywhere. You better. Uh, We want to thank everyone again for joining us. So much fun going on in the D.C. market. Be safe out there and have a delicious week.